the 48th Womanthology Podcast. My name is Fiona Tatton and I'll be your host. Womanthology is a digital magazine and professional community powered by female energy and ingenuity. We champion equal recognition and reward for everyone, sharing opportunities, ideas and a deep pool of collective wisdom, supporting each other to be unstoppable. In this episode, I'm very fortunate to have not one, but two guests who are on the front line of breast cancer care at the Royal Marsden NHS Foundation Trust. Sarah Adoma is a lead breast clinical nurse specialist, and Natalie Johnson is a breast and oncoplastic surgeon. They discuss diversity and inclusion in medicine and how at the start of October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month and also Black History Month in the UK, they launched an exciting project in partnership with a company called Nubian Skin, following funding from the Royal Marsden Cancer Charity to make available the UK's first softies in a variety of skin tones. A softie is a lightweight fabric prosthesis that women with breast cancer are often provided with to wear in their bra after a mastectomy. As ever, Inesh Santos will be talking you through the new content in the written issue once again. A quick reminder that you sign up for the Womanthology newsletter by filling in your details on the front page of our website. That's womanthology.co.uk. You can also join our LinkedIn community by visiting linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash womanthology and find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Welcome to the Womanthology podcast. We've got Sarah Adoma, who is lead breast clinical nurse specialist at the Royal Marsden. And she is joined by her colleague, Natalie Johnson, who is a breast and oncoplastic surgeon. Sarah, Natalie, welcome. How are you doing today? Hi, thanks for having us. Really glad to be here. Thank you very much, Fiona, for having us on here today. Oh, well, it's an absolute pleasure to be speaking with you. So we're going to hear today about your work at the Royal Marsden, and there's a particular project that we're going to ask you about as well. What I'm going to do, if it's okay, I'm going to share a bit of background. So you're working in an incredibly important area, and it's also very close to my heart in particular because I had breast cancer myself. So I was really keen to speak to you today to learn about all the amazing work that you're doing and hopefully there'll be some information there as well for our community so they can understand a little bit more about the ways they can keep themselves safe as well. So I'm going to start by asking you, Sarah, if you could tell us a bit about your educational background and career to date. Thank you. Yes, so my educational background stems from Ghana in West Africa, which is where I was born and bred. I had all my early education there, did my GCSE O-level, A-level, trained as a teacher before I relocated to the UK in my very early 20s, where I switched career and did my nursing training here. Went to university here and started practicing as a cancer nurse. When I completed my training in 2004, I was very fortunate to have employment at the Royal Marsden Hospital where my career kicked off. And I've been working there since then. Had a little change in 2011, having rise from a ward nurse to a lecturer practitioner in the School of Cancer Nursing. And then I switched my roles to being a breast care nurse specialist and had moved to another trust in London. And then came back to the Royal Marsden in 2014, where I've carried on my career as a nurse specialist in breast cancer 
And now I am the lead in our Chelsea site, supporting the service both clinically and also with the team in terms of service management improvement. Yeah, so that's my career today. And Sarah, obviously when people get diagnosed with breast cancer, it's a massive shock to the system. And I know the breast nurses are so key to that initial support and the emotional support as well is really, really important. Absolutely. So breast care nurses are the key workers or sometimes what we call a main point of contact for patients. And there's been lots of data information out there supporting the key role that we play in the patient's journey because often we are the the go-to person constant person along that whole patient journey be it from surgery to chemotherapy whatever the treatment that that patient is having we remain constant presence in that patient journey we are there to do holistic needs assessments where we identify what needs the patient may have what are the main concerns priorities for them we are there as the advocate and also part of multidisciplinary team meetings, really helping the team to hear the patient's voice because we are in that constant communication with them. We're there also to provide specialist knowledge in the area that we work in. And so we help patients with navigating that and helping them understand the pathway and the treatment recommendations so that they can make informed decisions about their treatment. And also just really being a part of support for their family as well, because often it doesn't just affect the patient, it affects them and their loved ones around them. So signposting them to support that they themselves can access, but also their wider family, children, partners, parents, if they are still around. So that's a very comprehensive support service. And like you said, a lot of what we do is also emotional support for the patients, really helping, hopefully enabling them to grapple with that diagnosis and the treatment and the impact of the treatment on them. It's such an important role. And as you said, it's the navigating people through that journey, because I think a lot of people assume that when you have breast cancer, that will you do this and you do that and maybe you have chemotherapy, but actually everybody's breast cancer is different, isn't it? So there's a lot of different bits of treatment that one person might have that somebody else might not have, but it's understanding where you fit in that process and uh, all the different options available. Yes. And also where I work at Royal Mars and Hospital is really the leading cancer hospital in the UK and having that ability to put in place research innovation, just really lead in a lot of what we do with, with cancer patients and support them. It's really important. It's essential. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. Now, another incredibly important role as well is your role, Natalie. So could you give us a bit of an overview of what you're doing day to day in your role as a breast and oncoplastic surgeon? Oh, hi. Thank you, Fiona. Similar to Sarah, my role starts when the patient walks in with a breast concern. It may be that they found a lump, they've got pain, they've got concerns, a discharge. And I do what we call a triple assessment where we try to find the cause or examine them. Just Obviously, we're trying to rule out breast cancer. There, the journey continues through the investigation, diagnosis, and then, of course, their plan of management. So the next steps for me would be to give the diagnosis, and that's where Sarah would come in with her expertise, and we take the patient through their journey of what would be the options of best management plan for them henceforth. Then it's about surgical planning, consent, taking them through the operation on the day, obviously performing the operation, 
seeing them afterwards for their wound review and taking them from there, whether it means follow-up or whether it means going onward to their journey with Sarah and her team in open access. And of course, we're there over the next five years of their follow-up if there's any concern as part of the journey in their recovery. And tell us as well, Natalie, what made you want to be a surgeon? What was your career path? So my stimulus is an actual funny story. I did my early years schooling in the West Indies in Trinidad and Tobago. And my best friend at the time was a very clever girl. And she said, I want to be a doctor. And then I decided, fine, I'm going to be a doctor as well. And funny enough, she went on to do zoology and I pursued medicine, knowing that I'd want to be a surgeon. Um, And it's really odd. I found a newspaper article in one of our local journals talking about becoming a surgeon and how long it will take. And we had one female surgeon at the time in the whole of Trinidad and Tobago, uh, which is a small population to begin with. And it spurred me on. So completed my university there. And then I came to the United Kingdom many years ago. But sadly, I never worked in the West Indies. I've done all my work and training in the United Kingdom. And via Imperial, I did my PhD in cancer research, pancreatic cancer to start with at Institute of Cancer Research, very near to the Marsden. And here I am rotating throughout the London Northwest Deanery doing my surgical specialty training. And uh, the Marsden is where I'm doing my oncoplastic training in the last six months. And here we are. Wow. And for people who maybe aren't familiar with the terminology, so the oncoplastic thing, because that sort of floored me. So onco as in oncology and cancer, but there's so much now that in the surgery area, so much that they can do now isn't there it's phenomenal when you learn obviously some people have more treatment some people have less there's loads of different options though for either some people don't have reconstruction but for the people that do want to have reconstruction all sorts of options or or not everybody needs reconstruction yeah I mean we've moved away from the one size fits all in breast cancer now that we're screening earlier we're detecting cancers earlier Women are getting a bit more involved in their care. They have a bit more of a say, which is fantastic in my opinion. We're now offering women better options to reduce the morbidity and increase the survivorship following breast cancer. And this is where the oncoplastic bit comes in. It's oncoplastic because it's not pure plastic surgery. It's not aesthetics. It's more about reshaping the breast after you remove the cancer in those women that have breast conserving surgery or surgery where we keep the breast as opposed to a mastectomy. So that's where the oncoplastic bit comes from. It doesn't mean an aesthetic bit, and we're not oncologists, but we're breast cancer surgeons that also want to refashion the breast in a way that the woman still feels as normal as possible. And I have to say, it's amazing. So I ended up having a lumpectomy and they removed the lump and it was a relatively sizable lump that they removed and then moved some of the breast tissue around. But it's absolutely amazing the things that they can do that you would never in a million years have thought that they could do so seriously such an important area that you're both working in but thank you for all that you do for everybody and that's exactly what you've described that's the oncoplastic part of it obviously there are more elaborate procedures but what you've described there is exactly what what we're doing nowadays and it's so important that the woman has a say in what happens to her and she gets to choose so we're meant to as you might have experienced tell you all the options you could have a lumpectomy you could have a mastectomy and reconstruction Or we can do a a simple lumpectomy where we don't do any refashioning, but then the concern is about deformity afterwards and changes that that come with your adjuvant treatment, whether it's radiotherapy or chemotherapy and such. So 
I think now that we're focusing more on patient-centered care and we're being a bit more up-to-date with the literature, oncoplastic surgery is becoming almost mandatory as part of the training for breast surgeons now, which I think is extremely important. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And I'm going to ask you now about something that you're both working on, which is incredibly exciting. And I read about it. I thought this is amazing. And I absolutely love this. So could you tell us, first of all, so there's, there's, uh, there's things called softies. So could you first of all tell us about what a softie is and how it's used and the project that you've worked on to improve these for the women that you're working with? Yeah. So a softie or a comfy, as far as taught me to call it is a temporary soft prosthesis that we offer to women who've had a mastectomy without a reconstruction and I say women because it's only indicated for the women that present to us at the moment for the mere reason that this is a demographic we're currently treating and they use it in the healing period after surgery some women use it until they get their definitive permanent prosthesis and others because of the comfortable and lightweight nature of it tend to use it in the long term and uh, obviously these are women who either chose to have a mastectomy without reconstruction or for reasons of illness they couldn't have it done and in the current setting we were offering women a softie that comes in either an ivory color or a beige color and this was being offered to everyone and we got feedback from the patients particularly women of color that this softie wasn't very well camouflaged just it's noticeable and you know it it didn't suit them and this was followed on by the 100 women survey done by black women rising uk out of the leon perro foundation where they found that out of 100 women 74 percent of them were not offered a softie or prosthesis or a nipple that matched their skin tone and with this information we approached the royal marsden cancer charity who willingly and generously gave us funding for this and on top of that the support from the Royal Marsden NHS Trust we were able to partner with Nubian Skin and I'll tell you a bit about Nubian Skin this is a lingerie company that caters for women of color with nude skin tone so this was their expertise area for many years I think they're in their eighth year and here we are now with these softies in a diverse range of skin tones that women are able to be offered as part of their treatment to make them feel a bit more thought of or it makes it a bit more patient-centered and in terms of the impact for patients maybe Sarah could you share the patients you've worked with what their experience has been yeah so as Natalie said we were able to launch this new line of softy covers from the 3rd of October and it has been a real whirlwind of emotions to be quite honest just seeing the reaction from the first woman that we fixed with and her demeanor changed completely when we brought it all out, the colors out to match her skin tone. So I think the observation and the comment feedback from the women that were fitted is that they have just regained a renewed body confidence. They feel valued. They feel involved and inclusive. And it's just really listening. They feel that they've been listened to because as Natalie said, these were women that we've treated and we're still treating and we're given the standard of care that we have and felt quite shattered in terms of not really part of the ethos. And now they feel like we have listened to their voice. We have taken on board their feedback and we've actively done something about it. And that is the feedback we got, an incredible experience. We cannot thank the people involved with this whole project enough because 
it has given people a new future, a new way of recovering and being part of the everyday care that is expected. We should provide equity of service. We should be inclusive in everything that we're doing. And I think the journey that you go on as a patient as well. So obviously you find a lump or a lump is found on a mammogram or something like that. And then there's this kind of whirlwind of you have a test and you find out and then you get your diagnosis, which is a big, a big thing to find out about. And then you've got this treatment process. You don't exactly know what it's going to look like. You've never done it before. So you're not exactly sure. So you've got your breast team around you who are doing everything that they can just to make everything better for you to help you. But along the way, there'll be things that are happening and you're not feeling your best, obviously, you're poorly and there's these things happening. But sometimes it's just somebody in the process or there's something in the process that just really makes it better or something like this that's just a really positive thing. It can just be a game changer to your whole outlook and your whole approach to everything as a patient. I absolutely agree, Fiona, and I couldn't have put it better. And that's exactly the comment and the fact that we see from all the women that we've been able to fit this prosthesis with, and even from the community as well, the healthcare professionals that we've worked with within the Mars, but also we've talked about this or presented this pilot that has been the feedback as well, because women feel that they are valued, but this may actually be the, the tool that takes them to the next level, which is that they can recover, they can move on, they feel whole again. They can feel themselves as women. One of the, the ladies said they feel that they can now wear clothes that she thought she couldn't wear it again. She can now actually go back into a wardrobe, put something on and feel like her, which is quite incredible. And there's, there's no words to describe how that feeling would be like for her. So absolutely, I agree. And in terms of where next with the projects, obviously it's a pilot at the moment. So I'm sure that there'll be other people listening to this that would be really keen to learn more. What stages are we at with the project and what would be the next stages? So the next step now is to get this rolled out to hospitals outside of the Marsden within the NHS, because in our opinion, the point of doing this was to afford the same care to every woman that is presenting to their trust. So we're currently working out post-pilot to get this provided via Nubian Skin, who has created these softies. And then we've got to educate each department. We're already liaising with breast care nurses so that they can start getting this into the department to offer it to our patients, particularly in the demographics that are more heavily women of color. So once this is done, then we have to educate patients that it's okay to ask for it. Because what we found and Sarah could probably attest to this a bit more, is that women were not saying anything in the beginning. And we've got patients from nearly 30 years now making contact to say, can I have the correct color to match my skin tone? This is how far back and how much the impact has on people who've been sitting with this discomfort and this small psychological aspect that would have made a huge difference to them. So now we've got to get it out to the NHS Trust and hopefully the private sector I've been contacted by a woman in Canada and people in the Caribbean who are asking, how can I get one? So we're working feverishly behind the scenes to make this available to any woman that needs it, any woman of colour. And this ranges from quite a huge demographic that wants this softie because it'll make, as Sarah said, a huge, huge change in how they feel that their care is being provided and that they're being seen, listened to and included. So what can the hospitals do to help get this out to their patients? 
what would you like them to do? So now that it's out there, we're happy to make contact with everyone, Sarah or myself, or anybody in our breast department at the Royal Marsden. If you are part of a breast unit, breast care nurse, or procurement, any NHS trust, feel free to reach out to us and we will liaise you or put you in contact with Nubian Skin in order to get that done. This is now in the initial stage. We're registering interest at the moment so we can get it out to who needs it because we need to make it at a price point that it's not expensive for the NHS for obvious reasons. Further on in the distant future, these should be able to be purchased directly from Nubian Skin via your hospital procurement. We also want the departments to encourage their ladies to ask for it in case they're feeling shy or they're not 100% sure what they should say because this is something we're noticing. Women are not feeling confident enough to come forward and say something about it. So if you're in a trust, in a breast department, reach out to us. And can I also just add that I know that sometimes trust may have fitters or breast care nurses often ask the main point as well in terms of fitting women with prosthesis. So as Natalie said, really reaching out to breast care nurses along the length and breadth of the country. I think it's really important that it becomes part of the standard like we offer to all our ladies because you never know the day maybe a woman of color will walk through your doors and I'm sure wherever you go you will see some deviation in terms of our skin tone and color and so really encouraging all who work within the breast cancer world to liaise with us to talk to us we're happy to share this information and we want to ensure that this is part of standard of care. And like Natalie also said, we want to encourage women to ask for this from their breast care nurses. And breast care nurses often when you're talking to ladies, preparing them for their, their surgery, you can then also open up that conversation and say, listen, we do have this product now. We can match your skin tone. And I think that will engage the women in the conversation, knowing that they are being thought of, they are being included, and they are being looked after as an individual, as a person with, with individual needs. So that's what we want to really get out. And lastly, we also need to let our Marsden patients know if you do have a soft you're comfy and it wasn't the right match and you want to get one please get in contact with us and we'll be more than happy to rectify that for you and we will continue to work with all the charities on the stakeholders going forward so diversity of thought in medicine and health why is it so important this is a very important question I mean diversity doesn't just mean color it means gender it means size it means ethnicity demographic age so I think now that we are improving our medical care now that we are having a more patient-centered focus diversity is super important because we need to walk away from the one-size-fits-all and patients develop that trust in their clinicians if they know that their care is being considered based on their needs so for that reason alone I think it is important and as well the differences in People, gender, ethnicity also have an effect on your response to medication, how you heal, how you recover. So I think all encompassing, it is an important factor, not just for colour, but for many things. Is there anything that you'd like to add to that, Sarah? Yeah, I think it's it's maybe overemphasising it now, but it's really important that there's no place for not providing equity of service and an inclusive service. And we do need to acknowledge that in terms of whatever we do, it is really important part of what we're doing. And the world is a changing world and we need to meet patients' needs regardless. And also importantly, breast cancer does not respect race, 
all background. Breast cancer affects Absolutely. women of all backgrounds. And so it's important that all of this is really taken into account when we are looking at services that we're providing to patients and including that and taking away these boundaries and making sure that we're actually meeting individual needs and not categorizing women into color, race, background, but actually having a platform where you can still access equity of service. And what else would you like to be able to provide for your patients moving forward? I think that is such a wide range. Step by step, we've started with the softies. There's such a wide area that we can diversify medicine. But as Sarah is saying, we are making improvements. So the list is really too large for me to go into here. But for now, we're going to start in our area of expertise, which is breast cancer. And if we can manage to make the woman's journey as best as possible here, whether it be wigs, prostheses, the medications they use, the systemic medications and modalities and how it affects different people, we'll start there and then we can branch out. So what's your message to our listeners? How can they get involved? How can they help themselves? How can they help others? Women who have had breast cancer or maybe family members who have had it, they are great advocates. So my big thing is advocate. We want to empower women to be able to speak up, to reach out and be able to express their needs as they go through diagnosis and treatment, but also in terms of looking after themselves going forward to be able to reach out to their teams, be observant in terms of if you notice any changes, any symptoms, any side effects from the treatment that they may be having or had had, if that side effect persists, to reach out to their team and talk to them about it. You don't have to be stoic whilst you're going through breast cancer treatment, it's the time to say, actually, this is really affecting me, it's impacting on my quality of life, and how can you help me? Because there may be an intervention that can be put in place to help you. So really speak out, reach out, utilize all the resources you have. Breast care nurses are a really good point of call, or your oncologist, your surgeon, and say, this impacting on me, affecting me. In terms of looking after themselves going forward really carrying on to be breast aware and also if you haven't had breast cancer the message is being breast aware as I often say know your breast like you know your girlfriends get to know what is normal about your breast so that if something changes about the breast you can take yourself to your GP and reach out and say this is different about my breast and I need somebody to look into that for me yeah I would agree with all Sarah said and just to encourage women of color because we have a lot of myths and beliefs that we need to dispel that prevent them from coming forward and now that we have all these educational resources as Sarah said a breast care nurse black women rising UK or your GP reach out and speak out sometimes there's no problem but it's best to check than to not know thank you so much what's coming up next for you what are you looking forward to I'll go to you Sarah and then to you Natalie I'm looking forward to really just getting this well and truly in place and as a status quo and we'll be able to offer it to all patients, wherever you are. Amazing, thank you. And that's, what's coming up next to you, Natalie? What are you excited That's about? exactly the same for me. The minute I can see this in everybody's hands, it has such a huge impact and effect that women will feel a lot more confidence. And then I could breathe a sigh of relief. And then I can think about the next step. For now, it's to get this into every woman who needs hands. Well, can I just say, on behalf of everybody and all your patients and everybody who will become your patients just thank you so much for everything that you're doing I was so excited when I read this because there's so many 
things you hear about breast cancer and it's, it's challenging things and sad things and difficult things but when you read something like this that's just so hopeful and so positive and it's going to make such a big difference to so many people so I just really on behalf of everybody just to say thank you for all your hard work and for everything that you're doing and will you keep in touch with us as well would that be okay absolutely thank you for having us it's really encouraging to get to help us get the message out there and to share your story thank you so much natalie johnson and sarah Adamic. Thank, thank you, you. hello my name is Inish santos i am the associate editor of woman quality and i am here to tell you all about our new issue which features dynamic women in medicine and health the stories include Dr. Claire Dewsnap is president of the British Association for Sexual Health and HIV, as well as being a consultant physician in genitourinary medicine at Sheffield Teaching Hospital's NHS Foundation Trust. Claire shares her journey into medicine and the work she is doing to promote a positive approach to sexual identity and sexual health, as well as championing diversity and inclusion inclusion in genitourinary medicine. Dr. Anise Mukherjee is a leading consultant physician, endocrinologist and author who specializes in women's health, hormones and menopause. She discusses why health is not black and white or binary and how sometimes in medicine solutions are not reached because we don't think diversely enough. Dr. Sarah Lister Brooke clinical director at the National Autistic Society talks about tackling gender imbalance in diagnosing autism and shares the role models who have helped shape her career. She also shares how patients feeling properly understood and listened to is vital. Being different should not mean being made to feel less. And finally, Dr. Holly Essex, midwife and health researcher, shares details of groundbreaking research into women's priorities for women's health and how the results of this are being used to shape the provision of women's health services in England. Do check out our website, womanphology.co.uk, to read the full stories. And that is all from me. Sadly, that's all we have time for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share the link for the show on social media and also follow the show. Your feedback is really important, so please do rate and review the show in your podcast app. Join us for the next episode where we meet incredible women in construction. That's all for now.